and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, all alone in quarantine. And as you know, we have been doing some special episodes. I have been holding back on some of the interviews that we've recorded in the past uh, and releasing them because I have, uh, because it's obviously we're, we're dealing with something exceptional right now. But I, I was going through some of them and I came across this one with Don Joseph Goey. And I thought it was so apt for the time that I decided to release it this week. So so uh, very excited to share this with you. He is the author of the book, The End of Stress. And this is all about managing the mindset of stress and managing every aspect of your life with your mindset, which I don't know about you, but I find to be very appropriate right now. So I decided to release it this week. As you, you will notice, there is no mention of COVID-19, no mention of the quarantine because it had not happened yet. When we recorded this, there is a mention of Kobe Bryant because that was the big news at the time. Feels like uh, feels like a decade ago, but that's that's what uh, that's what we talk about when we talk about stress. But I believe that this applies very well to all of you right now. So I wanted to bring it to you. Uh, also, want to bring you a quick message from our sponsor, Quicken uh, Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans. So uh, here we go. Here's John to talk about Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans. Home today is so much more than it was yesterday. But at Rocket Mortgage, home is still all about you. During these challenging times, the top priority at Rocket Mortgage is the health and safety of the communities they serve. And one thing that will never change is their team's commitment to giving you the best mortgage experience possible. That's why if you need mortgage support, their team of experts is there to answer questions and offer solutions. They understand that hardships happen and they are here to help. Whether that means working with you to save money on your mortgage or finding a new way to navigate payments. If you have questions, the team at Rocket Mortgage has answers. They know how important your home is to you because you're important to them. If you need mortgage assistance, the home loan experts at Rocket Mortgage are available to help 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is with you. Visit rocketmortgage.com tash to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Once again, want to thank them for, for being a part of this. That's Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans. And here, without further ado, is, uh, is my interview with Don Joseph Goey. So happy to have Don Goey here today, uh, director of the, of the DeMillo Center, DeMillo Spirituality Center, and uh, an author of the book, The End of Stress. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. All right, so uh, look, I, I want to get right into it. Your book is called The End of Stress. We talk all the time about the damaging effect that's, uh, that chronic stress particularly has on our bodies, on our psyche, on all of those things. Uh, it seems like life is just piling on and on and on. How? <laughs> give, give me the Cliffs Notes. How do we end stress? Well, we end, end stress by bringing it more and more into awareness. And the first thing we need to be aware of is, as you said, how damaging it is. Mm -hmm. Chronic stress actually shrinks brain mass. It switches your emotional set point to negative. It lowers your IQ by, by as much as 40%. It predicts marital, marital problems and mm. family dysfunction. Uh, it damages, of course, your cardiovascular system. It dumbs down your DNA and your immune system. And eventually, it'll kill you. You know, stress is not something that you should someday uh, deal with. It's life-threatening serious. It's, uh, 
something you need to attend to today. As if you had cut yourself, you know, fixing your car, you take that to the emergency room. But most people are ignoring the stress they're right. in. Right. We just live with it because we think of it as a, um, what's the word? It's a, just sort of a, a, a an inevitability of our lifestyles that just, you know, you we take on a ridiculous amount of debt just to live. You know, you, you make a car payment, you make a house payment. Uh, and and then every day, that's like that song, sixteen tons, and what do you get? Another day. <laughs> but we kind of just live that life. We may think that we're not living that life, but we we really are. Um, and so I think we just sort of assume that that stress is the default position. It is the way that post industrial society exists. Is this in this credit market uh, that and and then that that everything gets piled on top of that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's true. And most of us think that stress is happening to us. But the truth of the matter is, is that stress is happening in us. We think our way into all kinds of stress oh, yeah. reactions. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because, well, because again, you know, you're, to your point, um, as you're saying that something's really clicking, like stress is really our own perception of things. Unless you are literally physically in what's called a stress position or you have some uh, external stimuli that is creating actual physical stress in your body. Everything else is just your your own mental state that is perpetuating a feeling of stressfulness. That's exactly right. We think our way into all kinds of of stress stressful reactions that set off a lot of stressful thinking that send our body into an uproar. But when you drill down into it, what you end up discovering that it's all connected. To mere thoughts. Mm. Like, for example, somebody, you know, at work, the boss adds something to your already overbearing to-do list, and your first thought is that, I'm screwed. Well, that's, that thought goes into your brain. It goes into a part of your brain that's called the amygdala, the brain's fear center. And the, the brain's fear center determines anything that upsets you as a real and present mm. danger, and it sets off a re reaction called fight flight or freeze, and that fight, flight, or freeze reaction dumps stress hormones into your brain, and that those stress hormones literally amplify the fear response and and shrink that part of your brain where your intelligence comes from. And so what happens is, is that because, because you're kicked back into even more fear, you get into this endless loop thought pattern right. of stressing yourself, and you get trapped in the problem um, and you've lost that brain function that actually can give you the creative solution to the mm, problem. Mm. And, pe and people live like that for years and years and years. Yeah. And it's not necessary. They don't need to do it. And one of the things that science has discovered over the last 20 years is that a change in mindset. And first of all, everything for a human being is mindset. Right. And that mindset is actually neuroplastic. That is that. A stressful, fearful, anxious mindset creates a brain that generates a lot of stress reactions, right. whereas a more positive, peaceful, um, uh, self-assured, confident attitude generates, actually increases the brain function that makes you highly intelligent, highly creative, able to be optimistic when you face the problem. And so the solution to stress yes, isn't changing... Well, the solution to stress isn't changing your circumstances. Right. It's changing yourself. Right. And it's, it's changing yourself in a way in which you're accentuating the positive and eliminating the negative as a matter of habit. Right. 
Okay. And one of the ways in which you reinforce that on a daily basis is meditating yeah. or prayer. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of that, and I think, um, and I think we, it's something that we all kind of miss on on a regular basis. I'm, there are, um, you know, if you're if you're listening to this, there are uh, a spiritual ways of meditating that I mean, I, I happen to be somebody that buys into the spiritual side of things, but there are ways of meditating that are that are basically agnostic, where it's just about quieting your mind and doing. It's absolutely agnostic. It's it's basically what what. Uh, solves a stressful life is what I call a practical spirituality. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to. You don't have to believe in Buddha or Jesus or God or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, it's fundamentally coming from a more peaceful, loving, optimistic attitude. Peace is the psychological condition of balance, mm-hmm. a psychological balance that expands the higher brain function that that, that makes you successful in life at every right. level that matters to you. Stress is a psychological condition of fear that erodes all that higher brain function that allows you to do it. And, you know, oftentimes when I talk this way to people, they go, well, if you're talking about my success is driven by my peace of mind, they say, I'm, I'm going to become complacent. I'll lose my edge. How am I going to succeed? Right, but, right, right, right. But peace as a mindset is essentially defined neurologically defines the opposite of fear. It's that calm under seas that relates to a problem fearlessly, that analyzes it intelligently, that engages it creatively and optimistically, and all the while generating the brain power to succeed at whatever needs uh, needs your attention. Okay, so I, I first of all, I mean, I, I am I am on board with. I mean, so far, 100% of what you're saying, I'm going to assume somewhere in the high 90 percentile of everything that you say I'm going to be on board with. But um, we talked earlier uh, about this idea of a feedback loop, right, where where we allow our external stimuli to stress us out. And then we and then that creates a stress pattern. And I understand that meditation is a great way to practice uh, finding that peace on a day to day basis. But uh, I feel like uh, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how do we break that cycle because those feedback loops are in my opinion especially when we're not paying attention to them are some of the most dangerous things in our lives that lead to complacency it makes our it makes our waistlines grow it makes our our marriages erode it makes our relationship with our children go away because we just get into these loops and we don't even realize we're in them uh, and it's a it's a weird level of complacency with the stress in our lives so how do we break that initial loop for the first time well what you said um in terms of we're not even aware that this pattern is running in the background and running our lives running us into the ground mm-hmm. that's that's the very first step and that's what meditation does meditation allows you to quiet yourself down to the point where you're observing the thought process that is going on in the background and of course the first thing that you encounter is that your thought process sort of sucks. You begin to notice all the negativity that you're thinking, all the worry that you're running, all the ways in which your your mind runs right, runs left, flips over, and and essentially goes nowhere. And you're you're observing that in a very non-judgmental way. You're not condemning yourself for it. You're letting it come to the surface so that you can become aware of it. And then you're noticing the emotions that it carries. And mm-hmm. the and the emotions that uh, that kind of stressful thinking carry are very unpleasant. Right. Um, and and as I said, they're very condemning. And you notice that, and you begin to begin to catch it, 
um, when you go about your daily life after you've been meditating, you be, oh, there I go. I'm, I'm thinking that way. Yeah. And as you, as you do it for a while, what you begin to notice is that just the simple act of awareness has the effect of beginning to calming things down. Mm. You're not, you're, you're, the meditation allows you to have that, that uh, have those thoughts and have that negative emotional experience, but without reacting to it. That's basically what meditation mm. is doing. And then as things begin to calm down, you begin to s- discover something wonderful that's innately within you, that you have this wonderful capacity to be at peace, to mm. be happy, to see things through rose-colored glasses, uh, to care, to love, to be empathic. All of those things begin to come online. And now you have this sort of broad-spectrum view of yourself and and what what you've done through meditation have brought yourself to a point of choice is that I know that dark alley that I go down there right. where I get beat up by stress and I'm passing by there again. But I don't think I'm going to go down that alley today because I know that there's this other expense experience in me that's available to me. And I'm going to choose to move in that direction. And what science has found as the more you make that shift. In, in consciousness, you make that shift in choice, the more your brain wires to make that automatic, to make yeah. that the background voice that, yeah. that that is the thinking that's going on in your brain. And from that, your life changes in profoundly important ways. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, and that ties into another thing that that um that other happiness researchers like yourself have said, and that is uh, waking up and and putting your mind in a state of gratefulness from the very beginning uh, is is one of the keys to making you overall happier as you deal with whatever outside stresses come through the day. So this idea that's of absolutely writing it down true. in the morning. Yeah. That's just absolutely true. You and what they also find is people who wake up in the morning um, and and approach the day from a positive mindset, they actually are more successful during the day. Their yeah. relationships work better. And one of the great benefits that comes from doing it is that these the research shows that these pay, people come home at the end of the day less fagged out with, with more energy. And so what mm-hmm. I prescribe to people to do is wake up every morning, give – uh, give appreciation, gratitude for another day of life. All of you down in L.A. Are, are knowing what that means with the loss of of Kobe Bryant. Life isn't guaranteed. It's precious. So you, you give appreciation for that. And then you set the intention to have a great day. Have a great day of accomplishing the things in your career that you need to accomplish. Right. But also accomplishing the things that make you a great person. By be feeling more connected to other people, yeah. by being more loving, by being more at peace, by by operating from an attitude of of optimism, and you set that in motion. But what happens with most people is the way they start the day is they jump up, they gulp down a couple of cups of coffee, they go through that frenzy of getting the kids ready, they jump right. in their cars, and they right. drive right into a traffic jam, and that literally frames frames your brain set. For the day, right. it frames your brain set in that sort of fight or flight pattern. So you bust that by by waking up every morning and doing that very simple little thing. Mm. Another very simple little thing that that breaks the pattern is that uh, during the day, several times during the day, to pull yourself back from your work, especially back from your computer, mm. back from your iPhone, and get up from your desk and go to a window or go outside. 
and just take in the day. Yeah. Just allow yourself to be present here and now and look at all the beauty that surrounds us all the time that we just zoom by. You know, the old thing of stop and smell the roses. Mm. Do, you do five minutes of that two or three times a day and you'll, you'll end up doing it four or five times a day. And suddenly you'll begin to notice wonderful things that are in this world that you rush by all day long, every day for years and years. Yeah. I mean, and I, I love, I love your point about how we get up in the morning and, you know, I, I spend so much of my day getting my, or so much of my morning, getting my kids out the door. And I, I don't like, I don't like how I behave in that stress. Um, and the days where I wake up a little bit earlier and start waking the kids up a little bit earlier and have everything done the night as much as I can the night before, those days are the best days. Those are the yes. days where, where I am happiest. I, I have a, a better workout. I have a, uh, a better conversation with my kids on the drive to school. Like all of that, all that really ties nicely into Bo. Oh, Bo I guess, I mean, for me, what I'm hearing and what I like about this is there are feedback loops in both directions. So if, yes. you, if you go into the stress feedback loop, that will take you into a cycle that perpetuates itself down and down the rabbit hole of stress. But if you can go into an awareness and calm feedback loop, that will also create a feedback loop and a spiral into a into a cloud of positivity and and self awareness and ultimately uh, 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 giving you the the best chance to be successful because your brain will be in the best mind state. I would and I would call it not a cloud of positivity, uh, but the light. Of positivity. Right. I, I was going the opposite direction from a hole. I was going up instead of down. That's a, <laughs> so my metaphor. It was, it was beautifully stated. <laughs> what you said was beautifully stated. It's exactly right. You're exactly you're hitting the hitting the bullseye. You know, you don't have to look very far to see the stress and fear that people are in. No, no, you um, don't. And and so what we're talking about is waking up from that. It's, you know, it's hard to find a happy person these days, someone who is fearless, who's free of insecurities and anger yeah. and worries. And add to that the inner conflict most people feel from how dissatisfied they are with themselves, with right. their lot in life, always right. trying to fix themselves or change their situation and getting nowhere. But what we're talking about is suppose we stopped with our efforts to change all this dissatisfaction with ourselves and with our life. What we would discover is that behind all that struggle is a hope and a desire for happiness. Right. Happiness is actually our natural state, which means we don't have to do anything to acquire happiness because we have it already. We don't have to wait for anything to change to be happy because it's part of our given nature, part of what we are. Happiness is not something we need to get, but something we need to drop. And the thing we need to drop is the false belief that without some change in myself or some change in my situation or some change in some other person, I can't be happy. When yeah. we've been unhappy, it's only because of that belief getting in the way. Well, you drop that false belief and your God-given capacity for happiness arises all by itself. Right. And then you discover the only reason that you've ever been unhappy is because you are focusing on what you don't have instead of what you have right here, right now. You know, there's not a single moment in a person's life when they don't have everything they need right, right. now to be happy. Right. Well, what, what I mean, what I'm hearing you say too, Don, is that you know, I, like, I know that we are. I, I've noticed in my own life people getting less and less happy. 
um, and, and people around me getting less and less happy. But the irony of that is that life has, and, and I'm not, I'm not t- taking away from real struggles that people are going through right now, but for the most part, life has never been easier, uh, particularly in, in Western society. We have uh, almost unfettered access to clean water um, with, with some notable exceptions like Flint, Michigan. Um, but uh, we, have this, we have mostly unfettered access to clean water and basic hygiene we can if you live in a in a city or an urban environment you can pretty much uh, get anything delivered to your door within an hour uh that you can dream up i mean if you if you, whatever you want can show up at your door just with with a little black obelisk that we keep in our pockets um that that's a pretty fantastic uh, world that we live in, we can stream or watch almost any piece of entertainment on demand at any moment in the day that we want to. Uh, we all of our basic needs are being met in a in in the most uh, what's what's the, in 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 the most convenient way imaginable. I mean, our ancestors never could have thought of, of some of the stuff that we have now, and yet we are progressively getting unhappy. Um, so to me, what that says is that perhaps these conveniences, these trappings, these things that we strive for, these larger homes and these, uh, the, 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 this better technology and is, is probably not the answer to our happiness. Uh, it doesn't give you happiness. And, the, yeah. you know, I mean, what, what everything that you're saying points to is that the problem is not out there. It's in us. Right. And, you know, that's a radical change in awareness and, and that's a radical change in awareness that, Anthony DeMello, the center that you referred to where yeah. I work, he invites us to consider, you know. So, you know, the question, you come back to the question that you posed earlier is, how do we wake up to this natural state of happiness? We really don't have to do anything or get anything to achieve. And it comes back to what we're talking about, simply by observing yourself in an open and a fresh way. Some people call it meditation. Right. Studying your reactions to people and events without judging yourself. Right. And 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 especially when you become negative. Right. Um, without the desire actually even to reform yourself. Um, do that and you begin to notice some marvelous change happening within you. The mm-hmm. marvelous thing that is called peace and joy. And feeling connected and alive. Let me tell you a story about uh, a woman that I was coaching recently. Uh, she began practicing what we're talking about here, what, what Anthony, Anthony DeMello talks about in his book, uh, Awareness. She started observing herself and everything around her throughout the day, exactly as it was, without any judgment or condemnation towards herself, right. when her reaction became negative and stress-provoking like we're talking about here, much less any desire or effort to change that negativity. She just watched it. And she took the time to study these reactions to see what exactly they were and where they came from. A lot of these reactions we we have, we picked up in our family of origin and childhood, some trauma from the past. Mm -hmm. And so she began to see that. She began to see that they came from the way society had programmed her, from what had happened in her childhood, from what had happened in some other traumatic events in her life. And, um, And as this client of mine brought all this into awareness, she began to see how quickly her stressful, anxious thoughts and judgments turned into the upsetting emotions that she disliked so much and how this caused her to misperceive, misperceive situations, mm-hmm. to jump to, to, to false conclusions, you know, putting her in conflict with whoever or whatever was involved. 
And she was shocked at how often she misinterpreted what was happening and got it wrong. And it didn't take long for her to realize that the negative way her programming reacted when the world didn't meet her demands, it could not help but to produce a stressful day. Right. And that even, you know, her afternoon fatigue that we all suffer with sometimes, yeah. it had more to do with a long string of anxious thoughts than a long day. Right. Well, gradually through bringing all this into awareness, her reactivity began to quiet down. She began to experience an inner calm that arises when you drop your negative programming. And soon she was laughing at her fearful thoughts. You know, it was like, it was like the horror movie had turned into a comedy. Yeah. And then a, a couple of weeks into her practice, I thought this was so lovely. She was standing at her train station heading home at the end of the day. She was a high-powered lawyer in a big firm. Mm -hmm. And for no reason that she could identify, she experienced a spontaneous moment of joy and happiness. Mm. She heard she heard these birds singing. I've never and seen I, a happy lawyer, so that must have been an exceptional program. <laughs> yes, yeah, she was quite surprised herself. <laughs> and she heard, she heard these birds singing in a sand of uh, trees, you know, on the other side of the railroad tracks. And... You know, she said, I, she said, I stood on this platform after work for six years, and not once had I ever heard birds singing, and, and had I ever noticed those trees. But she was sure that the, the trees were, had always been there, and the birds were always singing around her. She just wasn't tuned in. She's, basically, she's basically singing till there was you to you. You know, there were birds in the trees, yeah. and I never heard them singing. Isn't is that, is, is, see, the, we, we've been getting these messages for a long time. Right, right. Well, yeah. the happiness of that mo mo uh, moment, you know, it really caught her by surprise. And she, she wasn't used to feeling happiness. And so she opened to all the life teeming around her and in that train station. And she thought, what a wondrous world. And she said she couldn't remember the last time she had that thought. She described it as a kind of perfect moment. Well, you know, moments like that, if we string enough of them together, they're life changing. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, and, and by the way, you know, I, what, I, what I'm hearing in there is, is this idea of making the consistent, the consistent choice to be happy and to unpack the negative thoughts. And you, you brought up something earlier, too, where you where her afternoon fatigue was um, was most likely brought about by her own negative thought patterns, increasing the stress on her body and on her mind and therefore wearing her out because you know, I've experienced the opposite of that. On the busiest of days that I have, you experience something called that we've talked about a lot on the show called flow, where time sort of melts away and you are more productive and you are, you, some people call it being in the zone. Uh, but it's this feeling that you are just able to handle things as they come up. Your output is exceptional. Um, and I think we've all experienced moments of that. But, but uh, you know, stress is a big interrupter of that sense of flow. And, and the irony is you don't get, I don't get tired when I'm in flow. I can stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning if I've, if I've hit that state, you know? That's right. That comes out of the research of, of Mihail Csikszentmihalyi. And, and oh, he found yeah. exactly what you're talking about, which is that flow is a natural state that we click into when we let go. Um, and part of the problem with stress is, is that we're stuck, right. we're hanging on right. for dear life. It, you know, it's like it's like this. You know, we're all traveling on on a bus that is passing through spectacular country, but all the while, you know, the shades are all pulled down on right. the bus, right, and, right. and the and the passengers are all 
arguing with each other about who gets the best seat on uh -huh. the bus and and none of them have any idea of the beauty that they're missing and exactly. all the time you know they're squabbling well i have not known i can i can honestly say this and i've been coaching people for a couple of decades i have not known a single person who gave time to being aware in the way that we're talking about here who mm -hmm. didn't see a difference in a matter of weeks in a mm -hmm. matter of this woman that i just talked to you about the lawyer was in two weeks yeah. People's quality of life changes. They see differently. They they respond differently. They see things they never noticed before. Beautiful things. They're more energetic. There's more flow. They're happier. They're more loving. Yeah. I mean, it, all of that makes perfect sense because because everything that you just talked about is something that that stress uh, stress blocks. Uh, stress blocks you from being loving. If I'm stressed about work, I don't respond well to my kids. If I if we are stressed about time. I'm not patient with them the way that I need to. And I, I use the kids as a reference just because it is this most basal relationship where their needs are be, need to be met by us as parents on a minute-to-minute -minute basis, more so than other people in our lives. So the, the, uh, what, what's the, the hierarchy of needs um, is yes. you're, you're, you're dealing with more basal elements of the hierarchy of needs. Normally, when you interact with, with other adults in the real world, you're dealing with some of those top level needs and, and it may be a little more esoteric, but with the kids, it's so basal that I can, I can really feel some of these things that you're talking about, um, in my body. I can feel the stress. I can feel the, the, the way that I lead the situation, uh, poorly when I'm stressed and better when I'm in a state of, of flow or a state of peace. Um, so, I, so that makes a lot of sense to me. Absolutely. You know, the, the why stress blocks that flow, that more loving, optimistic, and, and more powerful response to the world is because stress is fear. Biologically, it takes some form of fear to set off a stress reaction. Right, right, um, right, right, right. And, and so when, when you talk about, well, what it, what it, what is a movement away from stress? Well, it's a movement away from fear. And what is that a movement towards? Well, it's a movement towards love, right. love and peace. Love and peace are the opposite of fear and stress. And now we know biologically, we know neurologically from all of the great research that's happened over the last 20 years that, um, by some of our best neuroscientists, we know that as you make that shift from from peace, from stress to peace, from from fear to love, your brain begins to wire to wire your brain to make that that your that experience your default experience. Yeah. yeah. In, in other words, now well, you, you now if you're stressed, your brain is defaulting to a fear reaction. You can rewire that brain to default to a more more of a flow reaction, more of a love reaction, more of a optimistic reaction more of a creative and happy reaction you can actually rewire your brain to do it even even if you're 80 years old i said i was working with one client who's 80 years old and he made a major shift after living a life of pessimism yeah uh and and, and but i love what you're saying this this idea that the more you feed the more you feed that wolf the wolf of happiness and peace the the more that wins and the more that pattern takes over um, I do that want pattern takes over, and it actually it takes over and and changes the very wiring of your brain. Yeah, I, I've I've read the 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 idea that um the, the I've read that that it literally changes the the physiology of your brain when you meditate. Um, I do want to go back and talk a little bit more about what meditation looks like because I think for people that are uninitiated, it looks like what we see externally, which is. 
uh, you know, uh, yogis sitting cross-legged saying Om, um, and or or saying a mantra out loud over and over and over again. And and I, in my experience of meditation, that's not the case, but that is what it looks like externally. So can you unpack a little bit some basic meditation practices that you like, or an app, or or a service that that helps guide you into this process of meditation, and what the meditation that you're talking about really looks like? Because I'm assuming. Maybe I'm wrong. That it's not just sitting cross-legged and saying "Om." That there is that it is that sort of mental idea of just focusing on your breath and clearing your head. You remember there's an old uh, song called "Different Strokes for Different Folks." Remember yeah, that? I remember the show. Yes. Well, so the that's true. Meditation. Meditation can be anything in which you are more consciously aware of what it is that you're doing, and. Um, the best meditation is when you're you're bringing that conscious awareness to something you love. So there are people who meditate cross-legged, eyes mm-hmm. closed, sitting mm-hmm. on a cushion, who love that. There are other people who hate it. My wife finds her meditation in gardening. I find it in, in hiking, hiking up in the hills of Northern California. Mm. Other people find it in very simple things like crocheting. It doesn't matter. It's where you, you're able to bring your focus, your attention, your awareness to being present, fully present, right here, right now, without any judgment, and certainly without any condemnation of yourself, right. but moving into that state of flow and, and applying it to, to whatever you love to do. So, uh, my brother, for example, he loves to play the guitar. The car is a form of meditation. So yes, it can be anything. I, I believe that playing music, and, and um, we had, a couple of weeks ago we had BJ Fogg on the show, and um, he does similar research to what you're talking about. I, um, uh, at Stanford also, which is which is interesting. But um, uh, he was talking, uh, we, we talked about how music is essentially meditation. It forces you to uh, put your mind into a rhythm that is different from where it naturally wants to go. You have to force yourself into the rhythm of the song. Um, you you are aligning your physical your uh, physical and mental uh, focus at the same time. It's it's you know even sports like playing basketball you can get into a state of flow. Playing any sport you can get into a state of flow. But um, that the, the the music sort of forces you to meditate. It is a for not forced but it is a form of meditation that I believe strongly. in. It does, and it, you know uh, music quiets your mind. One of the very important things about meditation, whether you're gardening or taking a hike or playing a guitar, is to allow your mind to become silent as much as possible. Right. Uh, that's that's the sweet spot, is the silence. You know, yeah. the Dalai Lama says something remarkable. I remember when I heard it, I, I applied it immediately. He said, sometimes the best way to solve a problem is to be silent with it, to be yeah. quiet with it, and allow the answer to emerge all by itself. And it will. We, we, have, we are a array of absolutely miraculous resources most most of which we fail to tap because we don't slow ourselves down enough to be able to recognize them but when we do they bubble up to to the top peace happens all by itself happiness happens all by itself because it's 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 a natural state that's within us we just have to meet its conditions and Mindfulness is one way of meeting its conditions. It's a very important way of meeting its conditions. You know, what's funny is I, I, I think we have so many coping mechanisms for stress that include, you know, uh, um, 
bad behaviors. You know, you making bad choices when it comes to how we self-medicate with um, alcohol or drugs or just other ways that we, other things that we do to distract us from our stress because we don't want to face it head on. And I, and I, I realize that like when I have days where I want to spend uh, 15 minutes meditating, and I just think to myself, oh, I don't have the time for that. What I end up doing is is uh, is dealing with my stress for way more than 15 minutes during that day uh, and, and, and coping with it in different ways instead of just taking the 15 minutes and being in a state of flow for the rest of the day. It's, it's, it's so it's a, it's ironic. You know, my my suggestion to people, that's that's lovely. You're absolutely right. You know, you won't give 15 minutes to something that's going to reduce your stress. And as a result, your stress magnifies, right? Right. And it takes up more than the 15 minutes would have taken. And that's that's the key for me is that like, I, it's just it bad takes math. Up years, right, right. years more. So what I what I tell people is um, when they feel that resistance, oh, I don't have time. That's just an excuse, right? It's resistance to doing it is that. To close their eyes and start with that. Start with the resistance. Bring the resistance into awareness. Notice the thoughts that that fuel that resistance, like, I don't have the time for it. Notice the emotions that come come on the back end of that, which is usually, you know, anxiousness and frustration. And just breathe with that. And before you know it, you'll be in the meditation and you'll actually go beyond your 15 minutes. Maybe you'll do 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. And, and you're as a, as you say, and as a result, your day will be different. It'll be the way you want it to be. Yes, I mean, look for for those of you that are listening to this, and you think it's a bunch of hogwash, the meditation thing, and it's a trend, it's a fad. Uh, first of all, I mean, it's been going on for thousands of years. But uh, if you don't realize how hard what we're talking about can be, where it is to just get quiet for fifteen minutes, I suggest you try it, and you will see how much noise is in your brain. Uh, on a minute-to-minute basis if you just try it. And you'll see, if you just try it once, I I firmly believe this, and if you try to do it for a few days, you'll really see it. But if you just do it once, you will see uh, why you need to meditate or why you need some version of this. Uh, I believe that strongly. One one way people can can do that for free is if they they go to their iPhone and they download an app um, from the DeMello Center on that app, there's a three-part series, each of them very short, five minutes each, that teach people how to meditate. It's actually DeMello doing the teaching, um, and it's called Cultivating Silence. And just that, those, um, those three little podcasts can take you a long way in, your, in, in developing the capacity to meditate, to get, basically to get quiet within yourself. And you get that from the, uh, from the DeMello Center website? Yes. Right. If, you, if you go, you can go to the DeMello uh, website, which is DeMelloCenter.com, and there's a um, there's instructions on how to get to the app. Or you can just go to your phone and uh, type in under the search under the app, uh, DeMello Center, and then you can download um, you can download the app. And the app is full of all a bunch of other things too, um, excerpts from DeMello's writing podcasts, excerpts of, of lectures that he's been given. It's a really cool app. Uh, and it really helps you move in the direction that you and I are talking about here. I will put a link to the app in the App Store and the Google Play Store so you guys can find that, as well as to the DeMello website. And you actually just sort of took my next question, which was going to be, <laughs> what's the number one way for people to get started with this process if they've bought into what we've talked about so far? 
how, how do they break that up? And, 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 and there you have it. Um, there you have it. You see, we're in a flow. Yeah, right. We, we are, we are, <laughs> we we have a mind flow. meld. Uh, well, uh, I do know that your time is valuable and I do want to let you go. We've been talking for a long time. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions though, before we, before we wrap this up about where you see the most resistance in people and the people that you've coached, what are some of the things that they put up, uh, in resistance to this idea of finding happiness within themselves, this idea of, of de-stressing? Uh, if people, the, the best way to answer that question is to invite everybody out there that's listening to making a list of, of their attachments. And all they have to do is that they write down this one sentence, I can't be happy until blank. Mm. And make t- 10 to 20 of those. So it'll, it'll start with, I can't be happy until I, I get a different job. I can't be happy until I'm out of debt. I can't be happy until my wife agrees with me. You'll, mm-hmm. All of these kinds of things. You'll never be happy. <laughs> you'll never be happy. You make all of that mm. and you begin to realize that that is the one thing that's blocking you more than anything else mm. from being happy is you have this false belief that you can't be happy until someone else or some situation changes when in fact you can be happy right here, right now because yes. it's you. It's your natural state. But as you make that list, 10 to 20 things, I can't be happy unless, I can't be happy until, and then I want you to look back at that list and, and, and tell yourself, this is why I'm suffering. This is why I'm stressing. This right. is it right here in front of me. This and these are these things that, that you're this on this list. They're called your attachments. Yep. And that's one thing. And you, you can be happy right now if you drop those attachments and let them go because it's a false belief. You yeah. can be happy right now with, with things being exactly as they are without you changing or anything changing yeah. at all. And what's what's so ironic about that, about these attachments that we have, and to be clear, these attachments are not social attachments. It's not like you have friends that are weighing you down. You may, but it, it, you're not talking about undoing your familial attachments. You're talking about our our outcome attachments. You're talking about our conditional, our, our attachment to conditionals on, on our happiness. What's ironic about this is that if you do not do the work that we're talking about right now, if you do not get to the place where you uncover the happiness within yourself that is outside of these conditions, when you are presented with those conditions, whether it's the ability to buy a larger house or that you think will make you happy or get that car, you will begin to do things subconsciously to self-sabotage those conditions because your brain in its in its heart of hearts knows that it's, I, 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 know, I realize the irony of saying brain, heart of hearts, I get it. But your brain inside, in your subconscious knows that that is not what's going to bring you happiness and will sabotage those conditions for you. And you will, in, 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 in effect, perpetuate that state of unhappiness because your brain knows that the striving is, and the idea that you are, that it's conditional, is what is keeping you from being happy. Exactly. And you know, it's important for people to notice the way their, their thoughts are traveling um, as they listen to a podcast like this. They listen to uh, or read a book that talks about these kinds of things. You, they might find themselves saying, well, that's hard to do. I often hear people say, it's hard to be at peace. And I tell them, no, what's hard is being stressed. Being right. at peace makes everything easier. And it's beginning, that's it. When, if you get that and you make that shift, uh, you're changing your mindset. 
You change it from a mindset that's calling hard what's actually soft and calling soft what's actually hard. Mm -hmm. And so be aware of those kinds of things. Be aware of making those shifts. And the inner work that we all need to do really couldn't be simpler. It boils down to awareness. Mm -hmm. What could be simpler and easier than just being aware? The change that we're all reaching for really comes out of that awareness. You don't need to do anything else other than to become aware of what's going on. The system has a way of correcting itself Mm -hmm. as, as you meet these situations with understanding, as you begin to understand where your stress is coming from, Mm -hmm. from your thoughts, as you begin to understand where your unhappiness is coming from, a false belief that, that, that says that you have to have something before you can have this. It, it takes care care of itself. We just have to get away, uh, out of the way. And getting out of the way is simply a matter of bringing into awareness what is in the way. Right. I mean, this idea of, of conditional happiness reminds me of a parable. Uh, so there's a fisherman, and he's sitting on the... It's in the middle of the afternoon, and he's sitting on the beach with his boat, and uh, and a, and a, a guy comes up to him and goes, what, what, why are you doing? Why are you not fishing? And he says... I caught all the fish that I needed to catch for the day. And the guy said, well, why don't you catch more fish? He said, well, I don't need to. He says, but then if you got more fish, you could sell, more, you could sell the fish for more money. Uh, and then you could buy a bigger boat and more nets and, and then more boats. And you could continue this surplus uh, and, and, until finally you have a whole fleet of ships that's fishing for you. And he says, and then what, I, what could I do? And the, and the guy says, wait, then you could just sit on the beach. And he says, what am I doing right now? <laughs> I love it. You, it reminds me of a, a story uh, that I really love. Actually, a story that DeMello told. Uh, there's a man standing on the beach. He's looking at the sunset, and he's in a state of rapture. Mm-hmm. And another guy come, comes along, has a beer in his hand, smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And he see, sees this guy over there in rapture, and he looks like he looks at him. He goes, well, that guy looks like he's a lot higher than I am. Uh-huh. And so he waits. He waits until the guy kind of walks back towards him, and he says, so what makes you so enraptured? And the man turned and he pointed to, to the sky and he said, it was a sunset. He said, the beauty, the beauty is what has me enraptured. So mm-hmm. the man comes back to the beach, this man with the cigarette and the beer, comes back to the beach every day and looks at the sunset, but he doesn't have any rapture. And one day he runs into the man, um, you know, we first had talked to him, and the man tells him, he asks him, what what is it? What is it? I you know I go there every day and I don't see the beauty, and the man says the beauty is the sunset. Stupid! It's the sunset. <laughs> yeah. And, and so what the man was looking for was was something that he had abstracted into this word beauty, and he missed the reality that was in front of him. And that's what we do. We think our way into little tight corners in which we see nothing Mm. of the beauty and divinity that surrounds us. And it's right there all the time. A lot of people ask me about God, you know, what have have I found God? And uh, I don't know if I found God or not, but I see God in everything. If whatever, whatever notion of, of God that I have, I see it in everything. It's everywhere. It's a sky. It's the people you're around. Hmm. It's the it's the rain that's falling. Um, it's everywhere, and yet we walk right past it, looking for something else. Yeah, that's a good that's as good a place to end as any. Uh, our guest today, Don Joseph Goey, uh, author of the book The End of Stress. Link to where to buy that book in the show notes, as well as the links to the Demello Center and the Demello Center uh, meditation app. 
one last one last two two last questions and I asked them to everybody first and foremost uh, is there where else can people follow up with you if they want to follow up with you uh, they can go if they are interested in the the book the end of stress they can go to the website for that book called the end of stress book.com okay. um, and I really encourage people to go to the Demello website. Um, which is demelocenter.com. Lots of resources and materials there. Links to all of those websites uh, in the show notes, so you guys can just click them and don't have to remember the URLs. And one last thing, and I ask it to everybody, what is one thing, I have a guess at what you're going to say, but what is one thing people can start doing today that will make their lives a whole lot better? Uh, noticing when they say, I can't be happy unless, and fill in the blank, and then remind themselves, that's untrue, that's a false belief. I mean that inventory thing, man. The inventory of our attachments seems like uh, that is the that is the first step to unpacking our happiness. It's a simple step that goes a long, long way. Don, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. It makes a big difference. And if you, there's somebody that you think needs to hear this, please share it with a friend. If ever, each and every one of you did that, it would double our listenership and help us out a lot. Uh, if you want to follow up with John, he's we are there all the time. Facebook.com slash John Tesh. We've been trying to go live a lot during the quarantine to help you guys have more stuff to, to do, more uplifting information that will help move you forward, help you use this quarantine as a reset for your life, which I hope that you will, you will use this opportunity to do. Also, I am um, uh, John is on Twitter at John Tesh on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard, Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gib Gerard. Links to all of our social media in the show notes. I try to respond to every mention and every DM about the show in particular because uh, I do the show for you guys. And, uh, and we, more than anything else, guys, stay safe out there. And thank you so much for listening.